We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday... Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. My name is Mario Puig. I'm here with uh, John McKechnie. We're without James Anderson. He's got a baseball mock draft to do, uh, but John can more than pick up the slack for us here. Uh, we're going to go b- quickly through the DraftKings and FanDuel Saturday bowl game offerings. That's that's the only slates that are up so far. So we'll go through that, and then we'll also make our picks for the rest of the one million bowl games, all of them. So it's bowl of Palooza, man. 
Indeed, John. How are you today? Doing well. I'm excited to be back on the pod, and I think, I think this is going to be a good one with all the bowl games. We're excited to have you back, and by we, I mean just me. I'm the only person here, but I speak for <laughs> others as well. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna go into the DraftKings one here, and uh, this is this is covering. Uh, let's see. Arizona, New Mexico, BYU, Utah, Ohio, Appalachian State, San Jose State, Georgia State, and Arkansas State, Louisiana Tech. So, John, big values that stand out to you right off the bat? Right off the bat, just uh, immediately I look at Georgia State and, you know, you look at the way that that, uh, Nick Arbuckle's been playing uh, their quarterback and you realize how cheap he is compared to some of the other quarterbacks, and I think he can really outproduce most most of them on this board i mean outside of jeff driscoll he might be the best option on DraftKings. um he's got 38 points 25 points 30 and 28 in his last four games going up against san jose state uh i really like him at 5900 a lot and his receiving core as well is i feel like is very underpriced penny hart 5900 donovan harden 4400 yeah he's got great receivers the trio of uh penny hart Robert Davis and Donovan Harden. Harden was actually expected to be like one of the most productive receivers in the country this year before he had his broken ankle or whatever right. it was. Uh, Hart is a freshman who just came out of nowhere, took over the whole offense. He's the best one. Uh, slot type of receiver, whereas Davis and Harden are more outside types. But Hart has the high floor and ceiling both. He's uh, a 5,900. Yeah, he's 5,900. And um, those catch totals are really reliable. Like his worst game of the year was... Uh, five catch 47 yard game against Appalachian state who have one of the best, uh, non BCS pass defenses and defenses in general. Otherwise he's pretty much been money all year, 71 catches for 1095 yards and eight touchdowns. That's, that's a, that's a pretty amazing accomplishment really for a freshman on a team with Davis and Harden already there. But yeah, I agree with you on Arbuckle at 5,900. It's hard for him. It's hard to imagine your roster getting tanked by him at that price, especially when, uh, this guy who threw for over 4,000 yards, um, the Georgia State passing offense attempts 37 attempts per game. So the worry in that, in that one, I guess, is the San Jose State pass defense, which has been pretty good all year. But it's definitely easy to wonder, like, is this a team that's even been tested, you know, going against right. teams like Air Force, Fresno, UNLV, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, they played well this year. So I guess I'm guessing that's why it's low. But you, you just get the feeling like with, with somebody who's been productive for two years, like Arbuckle, he's a senior junior college transfer, three receivers that good in an offense that's basically been you know really good all year again it's really hard for him to imagine uh that tanking you so cash game at the very least i would think is a good pick there as far as their running game there's just too many guys and not enough to go around so i wouldn't bother agreed uh, but um i did have one more question on georgia state i know it's kind of our mo to not use tight ends on DraftKings at all but keith rucker's been uh very productive at that position he's got double digit points in four of his last five games Three of those have been for over 20 points. He's 3,600. Uh, do you think, you know, if you're kind of pinched filling out the, your lineup, you might use Rucker in, like, your flex position? That's that's definitely a good thing to point out because, yeah, it's uh, and another reason to like Arbuckle all that much more because not just the three receivers I, I should have mentioned. Yeah, Rucker uh, has been really good as a tight end, actually, um, he putting up receiver-like numbers. So even with, um, you know, Donovan Harden had uh, – you know the injury shortened season but he had 670 yards four touchdowns robert davis had 979 six touchdowns penny hart had 1085 yards eight touchdowns rucker only playing 10 games also had 522 yards and six touchdowns so uh he's he's obviously a good red zone target as, as the biggest one of those four guys um let's see what did he he had uh let's see 
Two catches for 43 yards, 10 catches for 154, and then three for 48 and a touchdown to close out the year. On DraftKings, it seems like he's a really good bet for like at least 10 points and at a price that low. Right. Um, you know, with a player who has upside much higher than just that, he can he can get that 20, 25 point range. Yeah, that's definitely a good, uh, a, a great value even. Um, at the very least, he's someone to consider in GPPs. Um, but yeah, otherwise in that game, uh, Tyler Irvin is obviously a desirable target, especially in PPR, the running back for San Jose State. This is mm-hmm. uh, he had a huge season, kind of slowed down at the end, especially as a runner. But he gets so many targets in the passing game. He caught 44 passes this year. So uh, that that gives him a high floor. And Georgia State's Georgia State's run defense was a bit uneven this year. They don't have very good numbers. They did. They gave up a five touchdown game to Liberty, uh, but Yikes. otherwise they've been tested pr- by some pretty good teams like Oregon, Arkansas State, uh, Appalachian State. So it's 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 hard to tell what that matchup means exactly for Irvin, but it's one of those things where the the workload and his his history of production give reason to think that it's it's generally worth paying up for. And also, I do like Kenny Potter, their quarterback at sixty three hundred. If if the San Jose State running game can get going, Potter should have a, a big chunk of that going to him. He had three. 30-plus uh, fantasy point games on DraftKings to close out the year. That was against uh, middle-of-the-road Nevada defense, an awful Hawaii defense, and a pretty good Boise defense. So he's shown the ability to be pretty much matchup proof, which is what you would expect of a running quarterback. Um, but he's been good as a passer, too. So I, th- I think I like Potter quite a bit. Um, but I agree with you that, yeah, Arbuckle's probably the best value at 5,900 without uh, factoring in whether he's got much upside. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so um, I guess I guess we agree our favorite quarterback on the slate is Jeff Driscoll, who on DraftKings is the most expensive at 7,300. Did you manage to make room for him in your lineup? I did, just because of the value elsewhere, especially at the, at the receiver position. Like, I, I did pay up a little bit uh, at running back. I, I have Joe Williams in my kind of skeleton lineup to start out with, and I also have Jared Baker, who – you know we'll get into in a minute but with Nick Wilson out he's looking like a like a steal at 4800 but um Driscoll I really like the way he's been playing all season it's been nice to see him kind of you know have a renaissance at Louisiana Tech and I I think that he's going to be able to put up some pretty solid numbers I mean I don't think that like 300 yards and three touchdowns is out of the question for this bowl game yeah he hasn't really been as much of a rushing factor as I thought he would be this year but he's been very good nonetheless um and in this game Arkansas State plays at a pretty good tempo. Uh, they run the ball a lot, so you got to worry about you know stopping them and getting the ball back. But as long as you do, should be plenty of plays for both teams involved. Also, I mean, a shootout would provide that outcome as well. So, Definitely. and it's pretty good chance of that. Both Louisiana, it's, uh, Louisiana Tech, and Arkansas State have adequate defenses, but uh, they aren't you know imposing exactly. Arkansas State has shown a little bit of more of vulnerability against the run, I would think, and I therefore. I'm trying to make room for uh, the most expensive running back, <laughs> Kenneth Dixon at 8,100. Uh, the guy just scores touchdowns at a preposterous rate. <laughs> yep. um, it doesn't really make sense. I don't know what it – but either way, uh, 17 touchdowns on the ground this year despite missing two games. Uh, he's got five receiving touchdowns. That makes it – That's uh, he had 22 rushing touchdowns last year too. So um, – just three uh, 20 plus touchdown seasons for Kenneth Dixon in his four year career at Louisiana Tech. Right. You would expect someone like that just might finish strong in his last game. So I'm going to try to make room for him. Uh, as you said, Jared Baker is pretty much like a must play at 4,800 if Nick Wilson's out because New Mexico, good team, great season for a program of their sort of aspirations, but they can't deal with a team like Arizona. They just nope. can't do it. Um, so for that reason, I also like a new Solomon who's expected to play the quarterback, a new Solomon at 6,400. Um, it's, I guess it's, it's some combination of, uh, uh, paying up for Dixon, making room for Baker. 
I feel like are the starting points. If you're in a cash game, Arbuckle, like you said, mm-hmm. great price. Um, but yeah, otherwise in that game, I, I do like senior receiver uh, Caleb Jones finishing on a nice note too. So I'm going to be pairing him with Solomon a little bit. Um, but otherwise, um, let's see. So the second game in the in the order here um, after Arizona, New Mexico. BYU Utah, which I will generally avoid. I think the receiver Mitch Matthews for BYU gets enough targets to make him worth going after in the PPR scoring. But Utah's pass defense is really good. The, yep. the run defense is really good too. Actually, I don't see this going that well for BYU myself uh, because BYU. Um, it's it's obviously Utah's banged up. Britton Covey, I don't think is supposed to play. And um, yeah, I think he's very questionable at this point. Is the last thing that I saw. Right, and Travis Wilson is a bad passer, but uh, BYU's run defense was not that great this year. Uh, they gave up 19 rushing touchdowns. So I do like Joe Williams, and he he proved he's pretty good. And moreover, BYU's rushing yardage numbers there very much inflated by their 37 sacks for minus 221 yards i think joe williams can run on them and i think he will um meanwhile i don't i just can't see the byu offense doing that much and while i, lo- I love Eljernan brown i i just don't really have interest in, in him even at the deflated price of 4900 yeah i was i was definitely you know hoping that you would touch on that because you know brown has been kind of a guy that we've used uh to kind of like get us over the edge and help us cash in games a lot this year but you know i think this this is the kind of matchup where they where they're going to run into some trouble and uh i'm just excited this is uh byu and utah in las vegas i don't think there's a better place that this game could be played just just corrupting the two most wholesome programs we have in this country (laughs) keep your blinders on boys (laughs) but um aside from that uh let's see i I don't think there's anyone in that game that interests me otherwise um ohio apple oh sorry what are you saying Uh, same here oh okay cool um but yeah uh we got appalachian state ohio next uh i spoke to you before the show and i think we agree it's hard to see what ohio can do with this game really be i I mean, Frank Solak is a great coach, and he gets that team to play well somehow, even though there just doesn't seem to be any talent on it. Mm-hmm. Appalachian State's defense is very good, though, by uh, by non-Power 5 standards, and the running attack is just lethal. Like, Absolutely. Taylor Lamb, the quarterback, can run. Uh, Marcus Cox has been one of the best college football running backs the last three years. They got this newer, younger guy, Jalen Moore. He's been very explosive off the bench to end the year. I just can't see Ohio getting any traction because their run defense has been bad this year, and Appalachian State is just the worst matchup for them as far as that goes. Completely agree. And, uh, you know, A.J. Oled is a guy that, you know, kind of came into the season with some hype and uh, kind of let some people down. But then he's he's finished the year on an upswing, and, he, and he's at 6,200 now. But I think, you know, like you were saying, App State's uh, defense, I think, is a bit uh, too, too much of a mismatch for Ohio's uh, – Offense. I don't think they're going to be able to generate a whole lot of momentum, and as a result, I don't think Olet's going to get the requisite, uh, you know, good chances to to really cash in on sixty two hundred. For what it's worth, I mean, at that price, obviously Olet is not exactly easy to fit in when someone like Baker is cheaper. But it could be a good, I mean, worthwhile GPP consideration if if you got like a one out of 10 lineups or something where you're looking to get him in because at least uh, Appalachian State gave up 214 yards on the ground to South Alabama in their last game uh, granted on 56 attempts but um, they showed that they were they could be over uh, overwhelmed by a team like Arkansas State who's very good obviously and I don't think either of us considers Willette quite that level but he he finished strong Uh, he was good last year Solik is going to have a a well thought out game plan almost certainly Um, so yeah I, I I 
I guess I, I'm not so worried about a blowout in this scenario as much as Appalachian State just kind of taking the ball and just, you know, raising it above the reach of <laughs> yeah, Ohio and just, him. yeah, doing that <laughs> until the clock runs out. Um, but for that reason, I mean, I do like uh, Marcus Cox as a GPP consideration. I think at, at a, or sorry, he's, he's 7,000, so that's a, that's a cash game-worthy price also. You do worry about his explosiveness at this point. He's just He hasn't been as explosive this year as he was the two years prior, not as active as a receiver been fumbling a little bit lately but he's still their clear workhorse running back sure. uh, with that said Jalen Moore is one that I'm going to build with at 3900 I have no doubt um, that he's going to get the ball and I, I just I, he's been so explosive this year love his chance of getting some you know running out the clock touches against that Ohio defense like which that. has been run, vulnerable against the run this year Otherwise, I'm not going to bother with Taylor Lamb, their quarterback. He's too hit or miss. Um, doesn't just doesn't do enough. Yeah, the ceiling's not quite there either. I mean, anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, at least with some of these other options we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Sims. If you must pick an Appalachian State receiver, pick Sims Macklefresh, I guess. But I, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm. I'm just don't care except for the Appalachian State running backs in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so next, uh, San Jose State, Georgia State, we've pretty much already talked about this one. Uh, the San Jose State receivers, Tim Crowley and, uh, oh, what is it? Hansel something. Uh, they, you, might, you might be better off going for Billy Freeman than, than either of those two. That's true. Uh, Billy Freeman, the tight end, listed as a receiver on DraftKings, and Billy is down at always forty nine hundred. So that's I, not a, that's not exactly cheap, no. right? He's actually more expensive than Crowley and Hansel Wilson. But uh, if you're if you're doing a San Jose State stack, I mean, those are the receivers you would go for, I think. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. Freeman obviously is going to be involved. Uh, but generally, I, I don't think we have more to say on this game. Um, Arkansas State, Louisiana Tech, we already talked about Driscoll. Do you have any uh, you know, per- particular thoughts on Freddie Knighton, one of the most expensive quarterbacks on this slate? Um, I would still prefer to go with, with a Driscoll-Arbuckle combo, personally. But, I mean, you can, you know, Knighton is right up there with Driscoll in terms of production uh, that I'm expecting from this game. So, I mean, definitely can't fault you for going for Knighton. I mean, he's pretty much a lock to get what, you know, 30 points ish yeah they're giving him a lot of carries and he hasn't been quite as good as he was last year he was more dynamic runner last year before injuries came in this year but he did finish strong with uh, two 300 yard passing games to close out the year i'm just not convinced that arkansas state's offense is as explosive as louisiana techs um i think their defense is better in louisiana techs but i i just think driscoll's better um he probably has better receivers too and for what it's worth some people are probably going to be interested in the arkansas state receivers um if you're going after them uh, Trace Houston is down to 3,900 after previously being somewhat in demand after catching uh, 10 touchdowns. It, and it was it was on such a on 33 catches like come on I'm not that's not sustainable right uh, but at 3900 that's a little different it's it's worth considering JD McKissick is more expensive at 4400 he's the PPR guy he won't score very much mm-hmm. if at all and the other one is Dijon Pascal he's down at 3300 yeah so uh, he's he's as talented as the other two he's just it seems like a little bit behind in the pecking order so those are the right. names to go after if you do have an interest in Arkansas State but uh, yeah I agree John I probably won't go after them much uh, also in this game Carlos Henderson. Uh, Trent Taylor is the lead guy at receiver for Louisiana Tech. Totally worth it at 6,700, but 4,500 for Carlos Henderson. Much better value there, and he's he's more explosive of a player. Uh, not as reliably featured in the offense, but he is more explosive. I'm going to go with a lot of Carlos Henderson, I'm sure. Good call. All right, so we can also check FanDuel real quick on those. Uh, Jeff Driscoll is super cheap on there, or relatively anyway. He's the, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six most expensive. So 
I think we both like Driscoll at that relative price. Uh, a new Solomon at 7,200, also intriguing. Definitely. Jared Baker's 5,100 on there. Fire him up. Uh, receiver's the harder one to call. I mean, Kenneth Dixon, I'm just going to pay up for always in this scenario. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. Smart. Um, but yeah, receiver. Um, FanDuel, for some reason, has had Donovan Harden at minimum salary for quite a while. So he's one you can go for at 4,500, clear up some room to pay for the rest of your roster. I like Caleb Jones at 5,200. I think he's got a good chance to score in that one. Do you like Nate Phillips at all for near the minimum, 4,600? I mean, he's like the second most targeted guy in that, in that Arizona offense. And like we said, you know, they're, they're going to be down Nick Wilson. doesn't mean they're going to be running it a ton less or whatever. But, you know, I think maybe he's worth a GPP consideration. Yeah, Phillips is a, is a totally good player. And Samadji Grant's like a little iffy with, uh, I guess it was a concussion that he suffered at he's the end of the year. Yeah, he, I mean, he he's not even as good as Phillips, in my opinion. Like, Phillips just kind of was injured last year, which allowed Grant to step up. Um, but, yeah, if, if not Caleb Jones, then I think Phillips is my second favorite Arizona receiver. And with an over-under like that one with Arizona projected what they are, um, with Nick Wilson out, as you said, I, I do like both Caleb Jones and uh, Nate Phillips, at least as, you know, wide receiver three types. You, you right. do want to get the Penny Hearts, the Trent Taylors as your first two. Um, but yeah, otherwise, not much to add there, I guess. Uh, it's obviously the same stuff. So now more generally, we're going to go into our bull picks. Um, starting at the top, John, Arizona. You're going with them over New Mexico, I assume? I am. I am indeed. I, I just think that uh, they're just going to prove to be too much for New Mexico. Even if it is the New Mexico Bowl, <laughs> I think Arizona's got them in this one. Yeah, I'll take the the nine points also. I just I don't think a team like New Mexico is built to go with Arizona Rich Rod team. So uh, next we got a tougher one, I think. Uh, Utah and BYU. Uh, Utah's minus two and a half. I like them to do that and probably a little more. I'd probably put it at like four and a half, five and a half, just just because of their defense. Uh, yeah, I think the, that's a that's a pretty easy spread to pick for Utah. And uh, do you know, uh, perchance, if, if Bronco Mendenhall is going is already in Charlottesville? Um, I think I think he is sticking with the team to some extent because there's a bunch of talk today about how they're taking a bus there instead of an airplane, and that saved them a three hundred thousand dollars or something. I don't know how that works, <laughs> but I'll just believe him. Yeah, right. um, thanks, Bronco. Uh, but yeah, uh, too bad. We think Utah's going to win anyway, even as you're saving all that money. Yeah, um, I think that'll be a pretty pretty soft game to watch. I don't know. So yeah, uh, Appalachian State minus 7.5 over Ohio. I, I'm not worried about App- Appalachian State losing this game, but Frank Solik is such a good coach that I am rethinking the spread a little bit. Like It might be a little closer. At least give them a scare, you know, like four or five point victory. But I do feel confident that Appalachian State will win that. And if you're looking at over-unders at, at all, that the one on that one is 55 i could see maybe like taking the under on that one man that's that's a really I, I guess i didn't think too hard about it but um yeah appalachian state has a tendency to just run the clock out on other teams like they, they they're one of those teams that only allows the opponent to run an average of like 62 63 plays per game maybe that's why it's low because it, that combined with ohio going into uh, a defense of appalachian states that's that's pretty well above the level of any Mac defense that I'm aware of. Sure. Maybe Bowling Green's comparable, but probably not really. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that, that spread it's, it's, I guess it's just like the spread there is like you worry about uh, Ohio covering that just because it's low scoring enough that it's not like they have to cover huge ground to get there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I guess we agree. Appalachian state should get that uh, even if it's not quite as comfortable as it, as it might look on the scoreboard. Um, but um, next we got San Jose state and Georgia state. This is a tough one for me. Uh, do you have a, do you have a feeling on this one, John? Uh, I've been, I've been leaning Georgia state, but I, I think I might just be like 
kind of fallen for their offensive weapons instead of, you know, looking at it from, from you know, an actual team perspective, I think. You know, like, I, I like Penny Hart. I like Nick Arbuckle, like, all that stuff. And I think that might be clouding my judgment into thinking that Georgia State might might get the win here. Uh, I I guess I am going to stick with Georgia State here. Uh, you know, they're uh, two-and-a-half-point dogs, looks like. Y- yep, that's indeed true. Um, I think it, I think I'll take Georgia State in this one. Yeah, I don't feel strongly about this one at all, but I, I will pick San Jose State just because Georgia State lives and dies by the passing game. San Jose State seems to be above average in that regard on pass defense, at least um, at least in a non-Power 5 standard. So I, I'll go with San Jose State. Um, they did get rocked by Boise State to end the year, though, and they lost to uh nevada by three 34 to 37 on the road uh mm-hmm. they did take brigham or they did take byu 17 to 16 loss so that's an interesting close game but basically I, I guess i'm banking on the collision of the georgia state being dependent on the pass with that san jose state pass defense that's been pretty good right um and also if if san jose state does get a lead you would expect them to be good at uh, protecting it because tyler Irvin's a good runner kenny potter's been a good runner exactly. thomas tucker's been hurt a lot this year but he's a good backup running back uh, so yeah, I guess I'll go with San Jose State, but I, I am not at all. Uh, I don't have any conviction with that pick there. Uh, Arkansas State, Louisiana Tech. This one's an over under of sixty seven and a half, with Tech favored by two. Hmm. I think I think I am going to go with Louisiana Tech here. Um, you know, I think that they've been just playing playing good ball lately, and you know they're coming off. Uh, did they win the conference USA championship uh, against uh, Southern Miss, I believe. Oh no, that was that was Western Kentucky. Oh my bad, my fault. Yeah. Oh no, it's fine. <laughs> but um, no, um, Louisiana Tech did take Western Kentucky down to the wire in week two, I want to say, and they they kicked the crap out of them last year. <laughs> so um, I, I I was going to pick Louisiana Tech too, just because uh, even though I mean, Louisiana Tech lost fifty eight to twenty four to Southern Miss. To end the year, that's that, what it was. Yeah, and they did. They had another game, seventeen to fifteen against UTEP. That's terrifying. I don't know what um, happened there exactly, but hmm. I guess the way I feel about it is, um, let's see. I I do think Arkansas State has the better coaching, Blake Anderson, whereas Louisiana Tech has uh, Skip Holtz, who's kind of just I don't know mediocre. Right. But I do think Louisiana Tech has a lot more talent on offense. Like I like Freddie Knight at quarterback for Arkansas State, but I don't think the receivers are much more than middling. Uh, they have a, they have a bunch of good running backs, but they don't have any real dominant talent. And I feel like in this setting, the senior quarterback Driscoll. Uh, the senior running back with three 20 plus touchdown seasons, Kenneth Dixon. They got two really good receivers. They got three pretty good receivers, Paul Harris, if you include, and then two really good ones in Trent Taylor and Carlos Henderson. Um, I guess I just, I, I feel like Arkansas State is shootout prone, and Louisiana Tech is the one who is best suited to that kind of setting. So, right. uh, again, not particularly uh, strong feelings on it, but I, I, I'll go with uh, Louisiana Tech as well. Right on. Next, we got Western Kentucky, South Florida. This is one of my favorite. This is probably my favorite bowl game yeah, this matchup. This is going to be a great game. This is Willie Taggart, South Florida head coach, built Western Kentucky a few years ago from a, an annually winless team to the one that uh, Brom took over and then took to the current level that Western Kentucky's at. But it is Willie Taggart who built that. And uh, he's also built this new South Florida team that's apparently pretty good. Quentin Flowers has been very, very good as a dual threat quarterback. They got three good running backs. Marlon Mack, the lead one. Rodney Adams stepping up at receiver. I'm going to go with South Florida in this one. Western Kentucky is favored by two and a half. I'm going to go with South Florida just because I, I, I like their defense a little bit better than Western Kentucky's. And I feel like South Florida can win by the pass or the run. 
And um, whereas I, I don't really see Western Kentucky being able to win this if their passing game sputters at all. Anthony Wales is an awesome running back. But uh, if they get cute giving DeAndre Furby the ball in short yardage and especially in red zone situations, I can see that actually substantially burning them. Uh, mm-hmm. Wales is the better runner. They should give him the ball. Um, but yeah, if, if they give it to Furby, like I, I can, the, the South Florida pass pass defense, first of all, um, has been, let me bring up the exact numbers. It's been good this year. Um, they allowed 13 passing touchdowns compared to 15 interceptions, 54.6% of the passes completed against them. Um, let me see what the pass rush was like. Um, not, not much of a pass rush, only 23 sacks in 12 games, but their passing defense was quite good. And I, I just, I'm not convinced that the Western Kentucky or sorry, I got the wrong numbers there. Um, let's see, I got to pull up my, uh, laptop that i'm typing into out of the corner of my eye um <laughs> but yeah uh so I, I i do like south florida's chances not that i feel that strongly about it uh it's obviously two really good teams i just i just i, I do like south florida's trajectory a lot and i think they do have a defensive advantage yeah I, I'm, I'm with you on that especially uh from the trajectory standpoint i mean you look at the way that they that they finished out the year i mean after they they lost only by seven points to Memphis in uh, it looks like late September early October and yeah. from there they they only lost one game the rest of the way and that was to Navy you know and they you know they left some teams just like in their dust on yeah the they, way there. they beat the, they beat yeah. up on Temple you know they, and they absolutely embarrassed Cincinnati on that on a Friday night a few weeks ago um, so you really got to like the way that uh, South Florida is playing right now uh, but I I've just been. I've been a fan of the way that Western Kentucky's been playing all season. Uh, you know, it might not sound so novel saying this, you know, because they're eleven and two, and you know, one of those losses is to LSU, uh, and they beat Vanderbilt. Uh, but I, that matters. Yeah. yeah, there's just something about uh, this Western Kentucky team. I think they're going to finish it out strong. I think that you know, it's definitely going to be a really close game. It's going to be high scoring, um, but I think. Uh, when it comes down to it, I think Brandon Dowdy's going to lead that offense to like one more big play uh, than South Florida will have, and I think that'll be the difference. Uh, well stated. And uh, next we got Akron against Utah State. This is just a weird one. Utah State had some injuries in the front seven this year that made their run defense pretty bad, mm-hmm. when historically it's always been quite good. I don't know whether the uh, the practice time from the end of the season through the bowl game is enough time for them to fix whatever their issues were. Akron, meanwhile, is has been uneven all year, but they finished pretty strong. Thomas Woodson got some momentum at quarterback to end the year. Um, I, their run defense has been good all year, but they also haven't been tested that much uh, right. playing in the MAC. You would look at the level of competition of these two teams and be like, oh, Utah State has an advantage because Akron's just not as te- tested. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what to think about this, though, because we don't know what's going to happen at quarterback for Utah State. Kent Myers is ready to go, but they're not. Uh, Matt Wells, their coach, has not said who will start. I think they have to start Myers because while I love Chucky Keaton and he deserves to be a legend in college football history, um, he just seems wrecked from his knee injuries I, I don't know how you can explain someone performing as badly as he has the last two years when you look at how he started without just saying that there's something wrong with him physically right um i'm not convinced that that would be any different at this point it hasn't been any different the last two years kent myers on the other hand quite good um i i, I the spread is seven points i don't feel quite that confident in it I, I might pick akron to cover the spread but if it was four and a half i would i would take utah state on both and i'm picking utah state to win yeah, the, I'm kind of in the same boat uh, with you. I mean, regardless of the quarterback situation, it seems like Utah State, when it really uh, clicks, can play 
play very well. I mean, they have that one pretty nice win over Boise State. Um, that was a little bit fluky because Boise State turned it over like a record amount of times in the first half of that one. But still, I think overall Utah State has the edge here. Um, I, kind of along the same lines, I don't know if, if that seven-point spread is something that uh, I would feel confident taking uh, in, t- in terms of Utah State. Um, so I'd probably like Akron to cover that, actually. But I think Utah State ends up winning. Okay, next we got uh, almost what could have been like a MAC championship game type scenario uh, a couple of years ago, and now it's Temple in the ACC coming back against Toledo. Uh, this is a fifty-one and a half over under with Temple favored by two. Um, the game is in Florida. I don't know what I think about this one. I, I, I yeah, I don't know what I think about this one. <laughs> um, I, I, I kind of feel like. Toledo is the better coached team and is generally a little bit more likely to be the explosive one. I'm not convinced in the idea of Jihad Thomas, the Temple workhorse running back, being sustainable in that role. And P.J. Walker, while he was awesome two years ago, just hasn't really been that good the last two years. So Toledo's got two really great running backs in Kareem Hunt and uh, Terry Swanson. Right. Uh, They got a few bodies at receiver who can make plays. They're all inconsistent, and their quarterback, Phillip Eli, is not very good either but i guess i just it comes down to me this is two good defenses and i just have a lot more confidence in the toledo running game i guess yeah i think that's a good point um but i i'd still probably i think temple is going to be able to to uh slow down toledo's offense a little bit more than what toledo's been used to seeing uh in a you know in terms of conference play um i think temple can definitely uh, make some plays against against Toledo's defense, but it, I think this is going to be a relatively low scoring game, like you said. Yeah, a it has really to. good defenses. Um, gut, my gut's telling me to go Temple, um, and that with a two point spread, uh, with their favored by two points, I, I'd probably go with that. I'll, I'll take Temple there. Yeah, a tough one for me either way. Um, next game, not so tough for me. Boise State <laughs> is going to beat Northern Illinois, I think, even though Boise's had a lot of embarrassing moments this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Northern Illinois just doesn't have the personnel with their quarterback, Drew Hare, out for the year. Uh, Ryan Graham, the backup, uh, you know, him and uh, Tommy Fiedler was it yes both of them both of them are basically like walk-on types they're just not very good and while Northern Illinois has two good running backs and how is Joel's name pronounced uh, it's Buonio Buonio yeah I was like I know it's not the phonetically yeah, obvious that, that one blew me away the first time I saw I watched the Northern Illinois game on never TV would have guessed year. yeah oh, well. <laughs> I was I'm I was about ready to just scream at the TV like <laughs> obviously that's not his name um but yeah so boise state uh favored by eight and a half i i I mean they've been a little dysfunctional so a spread that big is is not something i'm enthusiastic about taking but on the other hand i just don't know how northern illinois is going to score any points uh kenny galladay is a really good receiver but i'm not sure he can single-handedly make a passing game that that can thrive in this setting where on the other side jeremy mcnichols has been great all year at running back uh thomas spurbeck obviously the the, the machine <laughs> yeah he's he's just so good uh getting his 30 targets a game it's for 100 insane. yards or whatever <laughs> um yeah uh, so anyway i guess we agree boise um yeah. i'll probably take the eight and a half too even though i'm i mean all these spreads are hard i get nauseous about all of them but i guess i gotta pick them eventually yep i agree i think boise state uh takes this one pretty easily and i'd, I'd just like to acknowledge jerry McNich- mcnichols as one of the fantasy mvps of the season oh absolutely especially in ppr oh my gosh yeah, yeah. so yeah. uh <laughs> whenever the slate for the for this game comes out 
please please use McNichols. I mean, don't don't fool yourself. Don't be an imbecile, guys. <laughs> All right. So next we got uh, a, one of the one of the better matchups of bowl season on paper: uh, Georgia Southern against Bowling Green. This game is in Alabama Mobile, to be specific. Over under is sixty six. Bowling Green favored by seven and a half. John, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this first. Well, I, I think you know this is such such an interesting matchup because they're they're so diametrically opposed. Like yep. you know, Bowling Green, uh, I believe they're top ten in plays per game, uh, seventh in plays per game, whereas Georgia Southern is 111th. Yep. Uh, so you know, just totally antithetical two teams. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just to- different ways of playing football, but um, and Georgia Southern does not throw it. They they yeah. only run it pretty much. Yeah. That's uh. It's a very run run oriented team with Ellison and uh, Matt Breda, and then uh, you know it's it's really a question of are they going to be able to sustain drives to to like keep it out of Bowling Green's hands? Like you know, how do you think you see that playing out? Because I well, think that's one of the keys to the game. That will definitely be one of their goals, but uh, I I like Bowling Green for sure in this game, and I'll also take the points in one of the my less nauseous uh, spread picks uh, because I just I don't see how Georgia Southern um, can put up points if they really need to because Bowling Green's defense it's. It's been a little uneven. It's had some good moments, some bad ones, but uh, their pass defense was very good, allowing 18 touchdowns versus 20 interceptions, and their running game was uneven, dominating some games and then giving up 299 yards and three touchdowns to Ohio, 205 yards, three touchdowns to Western Mish. Uh, we got Tennessee in week one, uh, you know, kind of artificially inflating their their yardage allowed with 399 yards and six touchdowns that was quite a game good news for bowling green is while matt breda is great and la ramsby is good and wesley fields is good they are not jalen hurd and alvin kamara so um i what i yeah and so when i look at that bowling green pass defense that's been so good and in the context of their run defense being hit or miss i think what that says is they have the personnel to shut down the run if they don't have to worry about the pass um, so I do think that Bowling Green should be able to, it might be close in like the first half or something, but Matt, this, this, this Georgia state, or sorry, Georgia Southern defense, I don't think can stop the Bowling Green machine. And if that, if that is the case, this could be a blowout because Georgia, Georgia Southern just cannot catch up. They, they can't do it without dooming themselves by running out the clock with their running game. Yeah. It's, it's, they're very much like a field position oriented team. Uh, I know that they're like near the top in both offensively and defensively, you know, so they're, they're putting teams in long fields and they're getting short fields themselves. And, you know, they're really going to need to play their own perfect game like yeah. you know what they'd imagine to be the best way to play georgia southern football in order to even hang close with bowling green i'm not sure they're gonna be able to do that i think the floodgates will break open eventually and matt johnson is gonna you know like have a couple possessions in a row with long touchdowns very experienced quarterback matt johnson is and he's got a group of receivers that even against the likes of you know the Baylors of the nation is probably top five in the country. There are NFL receivers on that team. Definitely. Roger Lewis was a high four star recruit before academics complicated things. Uh, Garrick Dieter's been great. Ryan Burbrink, the senior slot receiver. Uh, Ronnie Moore's explosive as a slot target as well. Uh, yeah, I like Bowling Green quite a bit. Next one is a one that's interesting to me. I don't know what to think of it exactly, but two good teams uh, that can score points. Middle Tennessee against Western Michigan. The game is at uh, the Bahamas somewhere. Oh, nice. <laughs> it, it, maybe we'll get like a little. Wave of <laughs> I like how this thing is just like uh, we don't even know this city. It, 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 it's just a stadium somewhere on an island. Bahamas, comma Bahamas. It's here on the map. That's all we can tell you. Um, <laughs> Popeyes. Sixty-three and a half over under. Western Michigan is favored by three. 
um, MAC team versus a Conference USA team. And uh, for what it's worth, Middle Tennessee was pretty tough all year. They've, they've, they're one of those teams that if you have a bad defense, they will torch you. Um, but if you're a good team, you can probably shut them down um, as uh, – Let's see. Louisiana Tech beat them 45 to 13. Western Kentucky beat them 58 to 28. Um, but on the other hand, if you're a pushover team, they will they will push you over. So I don't think Western Michigan is a pushover. I do think their defense is not that good, especially mm-hmm. against the run. But Middle Tennessee's strength is not in the run game. It's in the pass. Uh, Brent Stock still coaches son quarterback to the receiver tandem of the Richie James freshman who has a hundred catches this year and Ed Marquez Battier, I think it's pronounced. Um, he started really hot, kind of slowed down in the second half, still scored 13 touchdowns. A great year for him. Tight end Terry Pettis makes plays. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if the question I guess comes down to can middle Tennessee throw the ball on Western Michigan who um, their pass defense, it was middling and pretty good by max standards. Really? They gave up 21 touchdowns and allowed only a completion percentage of 54.8. I am inclined to go with Western Michigan on this one pretty much because I think the receiver tandem of Corey Davis, Daniel Braverman could, you know, go straight to the NFL right now. Right. And I just don't see any team in particular being an obvious, like Corey Davis got open on Michigan state, Daniel Braverman tore up Ohio state. I don't know why middle Tennessee would be able to slow those guys. Yeah, I think that this is definitely going to be a high-scoring one. Uh, Middle Tennessee's defense is, you know, it's pretty good. It's actually, actually pretty yeah. solid, you know, for for one of those non-power five teams. Um, I think it's important to note, you know, you pointed out that if Middle Tennessee can throw it, then that you know that really changes things. And uh, apparently, Western Michigan has one of the worst sack rates in all of Division One football. So, and uh, Stockskill. Uh, he's going to have plenty of time to throw, and he's got you know those talented receivers that you brought up. So I actually kind of like Middle Tennessee in a bit of an upset here. I mean, I know it's not like a huge one with only a three-point dog here, but uh, I do like Middle Tennessee State here, actually. Totally reasonable. Uh, next game, wow, I was surprised by the spread on this one. Uh, next game is Ooh. Cincinnati against San Diego State. It's going to be in Hawaii, Honolulu. Uh, the over-under is 57, reasonable. Uh, the spread, not, not that it's unreasonable, but the spread is minus one for for Cincinnati. I'm surprised by that. Um, John, uh, like I know we talked about this yesterday. I haven't looked again today for anything new. I'm going to type something in right now. I'm just going to assume there is nothing new. However, uh, Gunnar Keel had apparently been missing practices on some indefinite basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been away from the team for you know a little bit longer than people have been letting on, it seems. Like, oh, really? Do know, we have any kind of... Because uh, Tom Groshen of the Cincinnati Inquirer is a very, you know, uh, very sober assessor of things, and so he didn't go on a limb you know making any crazy guesses on what's going on with keel he just relayed the fact that he was told it was a personal matter or a family matter whatever it was right and and, you know that leaves it is you know his status definitely in question uh going into the bowl game and we're you know about eight days out from that bowl game in in hawaii so you you know, you really don't know what what's going on with Keel, and if if, if he's, he's out, not, it's Hayden Moore, who's right. pretty good. But um, I guess I, I, I'm just going to say I like San Diego State in this game because their defense I think is really really good, mm-hmm. and I don't think Cincinnati can stop the San Diego State rushing game of Donnell Pumphrey, Chase Price. Um, to be fair, uh, I mean Cincinnati is a better team than what 
normally uh, San Diego State would face in the Mountain West. Sure. But uh, Cincinnati allowed over five yards of carry this year without even adjusting for the sack yardage, 19 touchdowns in 12 games. Pumphrey is a beast. Totally. Uh, Price is good, too. So I, I, I just between that defense and Cincinnati's been so uneven all year anyway, they just they're they're very good at imploding. They're very good at losing even when they put up good numbers. Mm-hmm. San Diego State is the opposite. They can be just ugly as anything and they can just they still somehow beat you by 20 exactly. um, so yeah I, I i'm gonna go with san diego state on that one yeah i think the the quarterback uncertainty i mean i know hayden moore like like we've said is you know a pretty solid backup uh and you know he he really uh kept cincinnati in that game against memphis on a thursday night earlier this year but uh i'd still prefer san diego state i think they're like their physicality but on both sides of the ball is going to help them against the cincinnati team that i think is kind of soft um so I, I'll take San, San Diego State here as well. Sounds good. Next one, uh, for sure, the most boring. Well, I haven't, oh, no. I haven't this, seen. There's, I know, there man, might be another. Might be more, there might be another more boring bowl game, but uh, there's. It's a short list. Rest assured. Uh, we have. I might sleep in that day. We have Connecticut and Marshall, folks. <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's here's the deal. Both teams are terrible on offense. Uh, both teams have good running backs for the most part. I don't think Devin Johnson is going to play for Marshall. His back issue seems season ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, the backups, Remy Watson and Hylic Foster, uh, good like rotational committee types. Hylic Foster converted from slot receiver like a few weeks ago right. uh, for the job, but he's been okay. Uh, Chase Litton's been better than Michael Birdsong at quarterback for Marshall, but that's not saying much. Birdsong was atrocious. Um, but anyway... I think I'm going to go with Marshall in this one because Connecticut's run defense has been uh, not that good this year. Their pass defense has been pretty good, but mostly they just get by on low tempo, run out the clock, and hold on to that lucky four-point lead they somehow got. Um, I don't think it's going to happen against Marshall because Marshall's defense is really good. They allowed less than 50% of the passes to be completed against them this year. Um, Let's see what else they got. The rushing game. They they allowed over 2,000 yards in 12 games, but... Um, four yards of carry is very respectable, and they they did face teams like Western Kentucky, uh, Southern Miss. Um, not not a great schedule, but by any means. But the same is true of of UConn, and I just. I just, I just, I just, it's going to be ugly, obviously, but uh, the UConn run defense seems a little more vulnerable. Therefore, I lean that way, even though it's, it's easy to imagine like an interception uh, touchdown kind of being what seals this stupid game. Yeah, it's going to be an ugly one for sure. And I think, you know, the only way I could picture myself being like, oh, yeah, UConn can do this. You know, if I look at their schedule and I see, oh, they beat Houston. They did, yeah. But they also beat Houston, like Sands, Greg Ward. Right. Uh, so at home, it changes things. I think Marshall is just a better overall team. I think Connecticut... I'm, Very well-coached team, by the way. I know like I know Diaco has done pretty good for Connecticut this year, but Doc Holliday, uh, one, of, one of the most time-tested coaches at this point, and he's been in this setting before. Yeah, so I, I think with the with like the general talent collection, maybe I haven't been watching UConn close enough, but I'm like even a little bit. It's Arkeel to six six. Yeah, it's Arkeel Newsom's a good running back. Noel Thomas is a pretty good receiver. Bryant Sharef has performed admirably at quarterback, but I, I just it doesn't seem like they're a very good team. Nah, it, it, yeah, for me it's just not adding up here. So I'll take Marshall. Uh, yeah, minus four and a half totally. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, next more interesting game: Washington State against Miami of Florida. It'll be in El Paso. And uh, let's see, two and a half favored Washington State with an over-under of 62.5. The Miami pass defense was pretty good numbers-wise this year. I got to look again to see how they've been tested exactly because I remember them giving up a lot to Nebraska. 
um, through the mm-hmm. air. You know, we got to remember those are the Al Golden dark days. So. <laughs> yeah, Al Golden's gone, and I mean th- they got they got a little better uh, toward the end, but we're still talking about teams like Virginia, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, North Carolina didn't have to do much, but when they did throw it, they did so easily. Uh, same thing with uh, Deshaun Watson and that blowout that finally got the tie boy out the door. <laughs> so um, anyway, I I think Washington State is reasonably favored in this one, but I do think Miami can make it close because Brad Kay is a really good quarterback mm-hmm. and Joseph Yearby, Mark Walton is a good running back uh, tandem. Washington State has been pretty good against the pass, less so against the run. Um, but basically uh, Luke Falk, pretty impressive quarterback. I think definitely um, Gabe Marks is a beast. And uh, yeah, I guess I just, I just don't know that a team as in Washington state has been building something for a few years and you can mm-hmm. see that they've made a lot of tangible progress year to year. It's just, it's just hard to see Miami, you know, waking up halfway through the race after their coach gets fired and just getting to the same level as Washington state. But if, if they do, it wouldn't be shocking because K is really good with that said, I'll still take two and a half Washington state. Yeah, I definitely like the way that Miami's trending. Like, if you asked me uh, where they would be at this point, you know, sometime in October, I'd be like, I'd assume that they're, you know, a four and eight type of team. But you know, they they seem to have turned it around. They they the talent's been there. It's just the coaching obviously has been problematic. But uh, Washington State has actually been very impressive this year. And you know, like you said, they they play a little bit better of a brand of defense than you might expect from like kind of like a air raid type of team uh yeah they've been good against the pass this year for for whatever reasons um i still think kaya is is a you know kind of a cut above type of quarterback so i i don't think that he's gonna have a ton of trouble but you know at the same time he's not gonna be putting up astronomical numbers i think that washington state probably wins this one in a close one um and that's spread Mm, I guess I'll take Washington State along with you on that one. But, I mean, it's close. I'm a little torn on that one. Yeah, I mean, me as well. Um, but, yeah, next we got uh, – I'm not so torn on this one. Washington, I think, will beat Southern Mississippi fairly easily. Mm-hmm. And the spread says everybody else thinks so, thinks so too, at minus 8.5, over under at 56. Washington defense is really good. Miles Gaskin is too good of a running back for Southern Miss to stop. And I think that's it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, next, we got our favorite game of the bowl season, Indiana and Duke at uh, New York Yankee Stadium, 67 and a half over under. Indiana is favored by two. That's surprising to me. Um, anyway, I, I don't even know what I think of this one. Uh, Thomas Sirk had some rough patches this year, uh, including an injury late, but I don't think the Indiana defense can stop anybody in particular. Exactly. Um, Jordan Howard, uh, I, I don't know that we know his deal exactly. I would expect him to play regardless of his draft status. Um, if if he was if he was going into the draft, I don't know why he would skip this game like some had speculated. But if Jordan Howard is there, that changes a lot. He's a lot better than Divine Redding. And um, Duke is without its uh, All-American safety. I can't remember his name exactly. Uh, uh, Cash, I think his last name Jeremy is. Cash. Yep. Jeremy Cash is out with a season-ending wrist injury. So yeah, that makes surgery. The, yeah. So you might have thought like, oh, this isn't a great matchup for Sudfeld. That makes it quite a bit better, I think. Safeties are important. Uh, when you're when you're defending the deep pass and Indiana's got some bodies at receiver now, obviously semi cops we like. Um, I guess I'm still going to go with Duke. Uh, I do like both coaches in this game, but we're talking about Cutcliffe going against the Indiana defense. I think he can find a way to make it work. Indiana is favored by two. Um, I think D- Duke has just kind of had had so many games this year where where it's like oh that really 
got ugly for them. So, so I, I feel like Indiana, they're play, they've been playing pretty well of late. Um, they, you know, they've hung with some better teams, uh, you know, much more than people would have expected. You know, like Michigan, they played them close. Ohio State, relatively close. Um, and I, I think, like you said, with, with Cash being out for Duke, Indiana's going to be able to put up a lot of points. And, like, you know, it's it, Indiana's multifaceted. Jordan Howard is just a great running back. And then Sudfeld, uh, you know, he's the best quarterback he's really in good. Indiana yeah. history, I believe, uh, most passing yards at least. Um, and, you know, with Simi Cobbs at, at 6'3", I mean, he's just a big target. Uh, I really like that. So I, I'm going to go with Indiana, actually, in this one. Sounds good. Next we got Virginia Tech, Tulsa. Virginia Tech's going to win that. It's a 13-and-a-half-point spread. And the reason it's that big is because Tulsa's – Offense is not that good, and its defense is really bad. And Dane Evans is a, a turnover-prone quarterback. Virginia Tech creates turnovers, and they're going to do that, I think. Um, and he, I know 13-and-a-half is a big spread. I don't know if yeah, I like that. That's my only hesitation. Do we know if Tulsa's offensive coordinator is already at Texas? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I guess for me, it doesn't really... I, I don't even know how I feel about the spread, I do think. I, Virginia Tech, I feel it totally safe, will win that one. The I spread... I think I'll take I'll take the points too because I don't think I think our guy Trevon McMillian is just gonna destroy that defense. Yeah, I, I, I mean like two hundred yards, three touchdowns very mm-hmm. easily could happen. That's a, that's how I'm feeling too. Yeah, Tulsa Tulsa can't stop a nosebleed. Um, I, I'm probably gonna I think that line's a little bit too high for it me. is I'd, big. Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably just go with Tulsa um, just based on that alone. But I think Virginia Tech wins by about ten points at least. Yep. And uh, next, a closer game probably uh, Nebraska and UCLA. Uh, this one's going to be in Santa Clara, California, so that might matter a little bit. It's a 61 over under, UCLA favored by seven. Uh, I definitely like UCLA. Uh, I guess a true freshman quarterback is a bit of a concern, but I'm a Paul Perkins fanboy. I don't think Nebraska uh, – Nebraska's had a weird season, first of all. They do have talent on offense, especially at receiver. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Armstrong, can do. he can make plays even if he does it ugly. But um, I guess I, I just I just feel like UCLA's pass defense has been really good, and I'm not convinced that Nebraska is a strong enough rushing team to capitalize on their otherwise unimpressive run defense. Meanwhile, I don't think Nebraska's defense can stop either the passing or rushing part of the UCLA offense. Yeah, we're pretty solidly in agreement there. I, I like Armstrong too, and you know I've been watching him closely for two years now, and. I, I just feel like he's too mistake prone. Uh, he is, to, he's inaccurate. Like even if he makes good plays, it's because he just like knew how to make it, not because he had much control over what he was doing with the ball. <laughs> exactly. And you know, with, with the aforementioned, you know, solid secondary for UCLA, I think that that's going to be, you know, a, two three turnovers for Nebraska. I think UCLA. Will, I'll uh, take the points too. Yep. By the way, yeah, I think I think so, and I think you know, in the end, uh, they'll be able to dice up Nebraska's defense. Nebraska's defense really fell off a cliff this year. Next one, I am not sh- so sure about, but it's Navy against Pittsburgh. Three and a half point favorites are Navy at a fifty six over under. I will take Navy and the points. Um, I mean, Keenan Reynolds. Uh, there's nothing that needs to be said with him. Uh, the Pittsburgh run defense improved in the last couple weeks after getting just torched in the middle part of the year Mm -hmm. from going against Virginia through uh, Duke, it looks like. Big numbers, especially 376 yards allowed to Georgia Tech. But then they, they, you know, through sack yardage, kept Louisville at minus one, and Louisville can't run with their running backs anyway, so who cares? Um, But, yeah, uh, Joseph Yearby got a little bit going against Pittsburgh on the ground when they played against Miami in the season finale, which they lost, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I guess I just feel like Navy's going to be solid enough against the the weakness of the Pittsburgh defense, which is the run defense. That uh, I, I just can't really see Pittsburgh and their their erratic offense being as just reliable as Navy's. And Keenan Reynolds, I think, will get a few big plays out in this one too. I don't think they're just going to you know steady their way to the win. Yeah, I'm ju- I'm just down on on Pittsburgh's offense in general. Yeah. You know, like outside of Tyler Boyd, like it, it's just sort of. It's been a down year. Obviously, James Conner going out for the year in, in the first week, and that, you know, his recent diagnosis, you know, is pretty terrible. Um, but I, I just don't think that, and, and they also just lost their offensive coordinators going to Georgia. Um, but I, I just think that Navy is too sound across the board, and I, I think as a result, Pitt, Pitt just probably is, you know, they're not going to win. I think Navy wins it in like a. 24 to 14 type of game that is definitely foreseeable next we have minnesota going against central michigan minnesota's favored by six the over under is 49 and a half so a lot of faith in the minnesota defense here um i don't know what to think about the minnesota defense exactly but they've been vulnerable on the ground which is where central michigan cannot capitalize so that that bodes well for them Mm -hmm. uh cooper rush is a pretty decent quarterback especially by max standards they have an okay group of receivers but minnesota's pass defense is fundamentally strong Uh, i think we both agree shannon brooks the running back for minnesota looks like a pretty scary player right now Finished the year with 644 yards and seven touchdowns on 104 carries. Good for 6.2 per carry. I don't think Central Michigan can stop him. Um, and, yeah, so I'll, I'll go with Minnesota and the six there. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing about Brooks is, uh, you know, when Minnesota – he is a true freshman. So when Minnesota has played tougher competition, he's had a bit tougher sledding. But, you know, against, like, Illinois – and uh, I think Purdue have been his two biggest games this season. He had 86 yards and a touchdown on 14 carries against Iowa on the road. That's that's really so. solid too. Yeah, Minnesota came to play that day. I was impressed. Yeah. Um, but I, I think yeah, just like the the talent difference uh, is probably too much just from from the running back perspective. I think Brooks is going to have a massive day. I'm not quite McMillian, but really good. Um, six points. Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably take that for Minnesota. I don't feel great about it either yeah. way, but probably go with Minnesota with the win. Next in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, there will be California playing against Air Force. Sixty six over under with Cal only favored by seven. Air Force can almost definitely run the ball on California between Carson Roberts, who's playing the best quarterback they've had in years. Mm-hmm. Um, the running back tandem of Timothy McVeigh and Jacoby Owens should get going. California's got just like a weirdness factor with them because they they had a good season, you know, in statistical terms. Um, Jared Goff threw thirty seven touchdowns, but there's been so much unevenness. Like they don't they don't they're Kenny Lawler has been a problem at receiver they were counting on him to be the lead guy running back is a big question mark between Lasco injuries and they don't even know what they're doing with the other three Trey Watson Kalfani Muhammad and Vic and Ware so uh, I understand rating from a fantasy perspective oh yes I'm bitter about that thorn in our side all year yeah um, with that said I just I feel like Goff and those if those receivers have enough time to kind of like get healthy for this game I feel like seven is a, a little bit of a slight to Cal because Goff is really good and Air Force is still just, you know, a Mountain West team that's a little bit up jumped in my opinion. But with that said, uh, they if they do make it close, like all it really takes is like a, you know, an interception or two and then they, you know, run out more clock than California expected. And that's how you get a close spread. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, I'm still taking Cal to win, certainly. And even though I'm not enthusiastic about the spread, I'll take that, too, I guess. OK, I, th- I think Air Force will be able to hang with them, uh, you know, play a possession game, break off some runs. Uh, I don't think Cal can really stop them on the ground. And obviously that's where their bread is buttered. Uh, and 
uh, I just think that Air Force keeps it close. I don't know if they win, but I, I'll I'll take that that seven point dog right there. I'll t- I'll take them for sure. For what it's worth, on the road against Michigan State in Week Three, Air Force uh, lost only thirty five to twenty one. Uh, I think I think we would call Michigan State more than seven points better than Cal. So maybe exactly. if that means anything to you. Um, anyway, next game. One of the best for cer- for certain on the uh, bowl game slate. In Orlando, Florida, the Citrus Bowl, it'll be Baylor against North Carolina. Over-under of 70, Baylor favored by two and a half. Any thoughts, John? Well, what do we know about Baylor's quarterback situation going into It's got to be Chris Johnson. Who you, he, I mean, he's, he's right. uh, he'll probably be called questionable with mm-hmm. the, uh, the concussion, but it's going to be like three weeks that he'll have had to get ready for it. Right. Um, I believe, I mean, we know they're not going to have Seth Russell or Jarrett Stidham. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a matter of do we have Chris Johnson or do we have I would, yeah. a random guy? Yeah, <laughs> I would question. plan on, if it's Lynx Hawthorne, then all bets are off. But uh, let's, just, let's assume for this exercise, Chris Johnson will be the quarterback back um still a huge uh disadvantage relative to the the senior marquise williams who's obviously been great this year especially in the second half elijah hood has gone absolutely berserk at running back for unc i don't think i don't think either defense can stop either offense in this game so what i don't even know what i think it's going to come down to uh, because north carolina's pass defense is probably better than baylor's and uh yeah i just I guess I kind of got to lean with North Carolina on this one just because, I mean, Chris Johnson was moved to receiver before he was moved back to third quarterback after those two injuries. And I've seen him play a little bit the last month or so. He's not as bad as his numbers in the TCU game, but he's, it's still, he's he's a little rough to watch. You can tell it's more about the scheme outside of his running. His running is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's like, you go into this game banking on certain results from the likes of Corey Coleman and Katie Cannon, and that's only on the condition that the quarterback does whatever. And it's like, I don't know if I feel confident in that. Uh, Marquise Williams, I'm definitely confident in. So I'll go with North Carolina, I guess. Uh, definitely like a coin flip sort of thing. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised that, that Baylor, uh, you know, came out as a favorite for this one. Uh, I think Gene Chizik will will be able to dial up something defensively to to really kind of frustrate Baylor's offense or at least throw them off rhythm a little bit. Um, I think North Carolina's. I mean, they're just on a roll right now. I, I see them. I they see them they very nearly. Game. Yeah, they almost got Clemson, and I think yeah. we would both take Clemson over Baylor. So. Yeah, I think I think uh, this one is kind of a gimme for North Carolina. Dang, a gimme even. Uh, next game, uh, Mountain West Boring Fest of oh, Colorado no. State, Nevada. I don't know how this game happened. It's in <laughs> Tucson for what it's worth. 56 over under. Colorado State uh, favored by three. To be fair, there are some talented players in this game. Colorado State has a couple good, few good running backs, even uh, Izzy Matthews, Dalen Dawkins, Jason Oden, Rashard Higgins, the star player of their team at receiver. Uh, Nevada's got two good running backs, especially James Butler. Um, I I don't I just these these teams are just very very especially mediocre uh, brands of mediocre like I don't it's it's so meh I just <laughs> I cannot be moved to have an opinion on this but Colorado State's running game was really bad this year 2,500 yards allowed 4.9 per carry 25 touchdowns Nevada has that constant going for them they can run against most teams Colorado State does not seem suited to dealing with that. Uh, whereas the Nevada defense at least was kind of okay by Mountain West standards. So uh, I don't care, but I'll pick Nevada. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I did a little bit of digging on this one. Uh, you know, obviously things were different last year with Garrett Grayson at the helm, but uh, Richard Higgins had one of his best days 
ever at Colorado State when they played uh, Nevada last year. He had like 10 catches, 194 yards, and two touchdowns, something along those lines. I think he's going to be able to to take advantage of that secondary again, uh, maybe not to that extent. But um, I think Colorado State, I, just eye test from what I've seen from them this year, I think I would I would give them the, the slight edge, and I'll take I'll take them in the points, the three-point uh, three favorites. Sounds good. Next we got LSU in Texas. Leonard Fournette over under rushing yards, 388. Is that? Mm, yeah, I'll there? take the over on that one. Uh, it's a seventy-three. Said it so low. Yeah, it's a seventy-three over under. Seven and a half point favorites are the Tigers. I'll definitely take that. I mean, Texas Tech is a, is a, a fun team. Certainly, Patrick Mahomes is awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, DeAndre Washington is awesome. Justin Stockton's really good, but they just don't have good receivers. They don't like Jakeem Grant is a good player, but if he's your like. 15 target a game workhorse receiver mm-hmm. at five five and a half or whatever he is and then Devin Lauderdale's the second best guy like those are guys who should be catching like 40 passes on your teams uh not you know 80 passes in a 45 pass attempt per game offense so I just don't think Mahomes has enough help um he'll keep it pretty close for most of the game but I do expect him to kind of wilt under the pressure and give a turnover to and any turnover is going to get turned into points by the Tigers I think the the Texas Tech run defense is just the worst thing ever oh yeah it's it's so bad like this is the one week where where I'm fully endorsing just going for Leonard Fournette just pay up for him oh you gotta do it do it you gotta Um, do it but I think I you know LSU, you may you may be a little bit fooled by like you know like oh they're an SEC West team they must have a good defense. I mean it's it's a fine defense. It's okay. It, uh, I think Texas Tech, like you said, is going to be able to keep up with them. Uh, I think they are going to be able to put points on the board. Um, I, in the end, though, I think that the run game, like the advantage that LSU has on the ground in this game, is so monumental that uh, I don't see how LSU doesn't cover that spread. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think they'll put Mahomes in a position where he just has to do something irresponsible to give them any chance and it, you can only get away with that so many times you can't have him texting and driving on the field it's just not reasonable <laughs> and uh nor, nor is the next matchup uh, oh, memphis oh, against auburn auburn is favored in this two and a half i know justin fuente is out in virginia doing something and pa- paxton lynch is apparently just counting stacks right now and doesn't care something <laughs> like that but auburn was so bad this year and they it's not as if gus malls on is some kind of guy who's like oh he has an extra week to prepare like they came out flat this year they came out flat last year in their bowl game against wisconsin which i'm mad about because i called them my best pick so i might know <laughs> something about how much gus malls on sucks at this indeed okay so uh two and a half i don't i don't understand uh if paxton lynch doesn't uh just say i'm out i'm just going to the draft i'm not playing anymore then i understand but if he's playing i don't know how auburn can win this because their passing game is a wreck um mm-hmm. and memphis beat Ole miss obviously and that that's not something you expect to happen more than like four times out of ten but if it's auburn i guess i feel like i can up that to six times out of ten at least mm-hmm. um so yeah i like i like memphis i just i i just i don't like auburn yeah the fa- the fact that uh Malzahn won't even commit to Jeremy Johnson as the starter when Sean White is kind of like walking around with with like a peg leg right now like it, it, he's still like oh he might get the start uh that's it's kind of we got our fingers <laughs> crossed for the peg leg guy <laughs> you know it makes you worried about Jeremy Johnson I mean he's been you know one of the 
more disappointing guys on the, the mo- most on the disappointing mo- player in the country. I think on a very disappointing team in general. I think Memphis uh, is able to finish off a really strong season here, and I think they beat Auburn. And I, I just don't see Auburn really showing up. I don't think they really give a crap, even though this game is kind of in their backyard. And you would think a coach as good as Fuente would have a strong staff too. So whoever the interim is, I don't even know who it is. But assuming that the players aren't coaching themselves, I still I, th- I think Memphis should be okay in that. Next so. next we got a, a, one of my favorite matchups mississippi state and the over-unders too low uh mississippi state and north carolina state the over-unders 59 mississippi state favored by five and a half i don't know who i like in this game but i I like both teams both quarterbacks especially Mm -hmm. it's all about dak for mississippi state and his two partners in crime fred uh fred ross and uh so yeah uh nc state is a little bit more of a one-man show especially with matt days out for the year they still have jalen samuels and and they they're well coached team they find ways to be effective even when they're when they're losing certain parts of their team um so yeah i i like both i don't think mississippi state's defense is that great mm-hmm. no, north carolina state's defense had really good numbers on the year but i think that's mostly from the teams that they played in their conference when they played against clemson um in, in north carolina they didn't they didn't look nearly so sure. good um either way i think dak goes out with a bang and uh brissett too i like his chances of having a big game he steps up in the high in the high stakes games for them so i think he'll do it here um i will take mississippi state um i don't think i'll take the spread though i think i'll i think i'll take north carolina state to lose by three or something okay I'm, i might be underestimating nc state a little bit here but i, I think mississippi state can, can definitely jump out to a lead here i think it, it's going to be a bit of a shootout uh like you said it's i'm definitely excited about this one for for daily fantasy purposes but you know looking at it picking it uh i'm gonna take miss state and the points i'll go i'll go with that Okay, next we got Louisville and Texas A&M in what is suddenly one of the grossest games on the slate. Yeah, I believe College Station is on fire right now. And Kyle Field is just it's collapsed. Comp- just it's been a uh, what, what? What do you call? It? I guess there's no word for it, but you know the, the poop on fire on the porch. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's surrounded in that <laughs> yeah. formation. Don't put it out with your boots, Ted. Um, don't do it. And anyway, so we don't know who the quarterback roster is for Texas A&M. If Kyler Murray bails as we're recording or if something changes maybe more than once between now and when is this game anyway? This is, this is the 30th. We got 14. We got two full weeks for Kyler Murray to change his mind many times anyway um if 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 kyler murray is gone which um billy luich luichi luichi of uh tex eggs tex eggs yep okay so he was saying like as of today um being you know wednesday the 16th murray was kind of not into it and was planning to get out yep. uh a&m is trying to change his mind if he's gone in any case it's jake hubenak who probably has to play quarterback uh junior college transfer with decent enough pedigree but whatever um he was their third quarterback to start yeah. this year so um louisville is also kind of dysfunctional they don't know their quarterback either they should have just gone with lamar jackson i think mm-hmm. um assuming will gardner is just not healthy or whatever um, but yeah we don't know what we're going to get at quarterback from either team we don't know what we're going to get otherwise from either team but at least texas a&m has a strong pass defense they do have miles garrett and they do have trey carson when i look at and they got you know three really good receivers actually mm-hmm. um louisville has some good players jamari staples james quick is a really good tandem at, at receiver lamar jackson can be very exciting but i'll go with texas a&m uh just because I, I think trey carson is a rock in this game that otherwise has just nothing but uncertainty yeah, the, it's interesting that this one is even, you know, even in light of all the, you know, te- uh, Texas A&M quarterback upheaval. Um, for, for 
Daily fantasy purposes, I, I like uh, Lamar Jackson uh, for, for this game. Again, I like the matchup, even though, you know, obviously A&M has a strong pass defense. I think he'll be able to run on them a decent bit. But I think in the end, A&M, uh, provided that they do have a quarterback, uh, I think they'll win this one. Fair enough. Next, we got USC and Wisconsin. It's going to be in San Diego. Um, I don't I don't know how credible I should be how much credibility I should have on Wisconsin because I just always pick them to lose. <laughs> um, but I'm going to do it again because they're playing in California and uh, whatever USC's from out there, I think. And it's just it's not that I like USC that much. I don't think they did. Their, their athletics department is a mess with Pat Hayden there. And I don't think Helton is, is the right choice for them at, at head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Kessler was uh, crumpled up into this, you know, game manager who can't do anything very interesting after previously being a three touchdown per game player for the prior, like 18 games. Right. Something stinks there. Um, however, I just think that the Justin Davis, Ronald Jones, Trey Madden trio and Juju Smith Schuster, especially will eventually break a Wisconsin defense that I think will start strong, play very well for probably at least one half. Um, but the Wisconsin offense, even if Corey Clement's ready to go, I just don't see them keeping up with USC very well. And eventually, uh, be it a desperation turnover or just a short field and a, a tired defense, I think USC gets away from them. Yeah, that, you know, at first I, I kind of was considering Wisconsin just because I, I think so highly of their defense. But I think really good defense. Yeah. You know, over the course of a game, I, I just see USC, you know, getting away from them at some point. It's not like they're going to have to put up a ton of points to to, to edge out Wisconsin because I, I just don't know if Wisconsin's going to score more than like 10 or 13 points in this yeah. game. And because of that, because their offense is just so putrid, I, I'm just going USC here, and I, I don't think it's a very uh, tough choice after after mulling it over. Yeah, I think we agree there. Next one is one I have no idea what to think. Uh, Florida State against Houston. It's going to be in Atlanta, the Georgia Dome. 54.5 over under. Florida State's favored by 7.5. Um, Kenneth Farrow is going to be back. Ryan Jackson, the other running back for uh, Houston, might be back. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Ward should be totally fine. But this is just such a bad matchup for the Houston offense, and we know no one's stopping Dalvin Cook at all. So uh, Dalvin Cook alone could probably cover this spread. And, uh, yeah, I guess I guess I kind of feel like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I kind of, you know, I've loved the the Houston story all year, and I love that Tom Herman's, you know, kind of building something awesome there. But I I think that uh, Florida State's going to smack them, to to be completely honest. Seven rushing touchdowns allowed all year by the Seminoles. Oh, my gosh. If, if, uh, yeah, if we give that same projection, like, what is that, like, 0.58 0.58 touchdowns on the ground for Houston. It's like, well, they're not going to throw for four. So yeah, and you know you're going to have, uh, you know, you're going to have Ward looking at Demarcus Ayers, who's covered by Jalen Ramsey, who's a top. Five yeah, it's hit, yeah, maybe. it could get bad actually. So I, I think Florida State's going to take this one going away as long as they they come out to play, and I think Jimbo Fisher will, will get them ready. They're not going to just like lay down in a bowl game, especially like a New Year's Eve one like that. There you have it. We want the points. Uh, okay, this is this is a this is a tougher one, I guess. Uh, Oklahoma and Clemson, uh, sixty six over under. Oklahoma is favored by four. What? Hmm. I don't know if that changed or if it was if it was always that way, but I did expect Oklahoma to be favored because I think their defense has been a little more convincing. Okay. And Baker Mayfield certainly has much more help than Deshaun Watson does. Wayne Gallman's been very good as a running back, but 
uh, there is not a Samaj Perine Joe Mixon tandem there to take the heat off of him. That's true. And uh, this best receiver is a true freshman, Deion Kane, and a slot guy, Arteva Scott, whereas Oklahoma has the infallible Sterling Shepard. Nice. And, and Sterling Shepard, this is a Sterling Shepard game. Like, this is this is just, this has his, the, the bat signal is up, and, like, <laughs> he's going to show up now because he's, he's just a beast, primetime player. Um I, I love Deshaun Watson. I think he's a lot, a lot better than Baker Mayfield. It's going to actually nauseate me a bit if Oklahoma wins because I know it's going to be all about Baker Mayfield when I don't think it is that <laughs> much about Baker Mayfield. He's been really good this year. But, um, I mean, it's a scheme that gets these results consistently, and he's got great players around him, whereas Deshaun Watson, it's mostly a one-man show. Um, but, anyway, I do have to pick Oklahoma. I don't feel strongly about the spread, but I... I guess I'll take uh, Clemson to cover just because I'm thinking more like a three or two point victory than a four point victory. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this game more so than the other playoff game. But um, I, I think I have a good feeling about Clemson advancing to the title game. I think you know Oklahoma has a lot to like about about that team. The defense is much improved. Eric Stryker's like a really really good player. Um, but I think I think Deshaun Watson just kicks it into another level in this game. I think he. Uh, I think he's going to lead him at least the national championship game. I don't know if they're going to win it all, but I think uh, Watson's got that magic about him right now. He is transcendent. He's yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. God, I wish he went to Georgia. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I think I do think that Clemson is able to pull this one out somehow. I hope they do. I hope I'm wrong about this one because the Baker Mayfield. Uh, I mean, great story. I know he's a walk on, and he 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 must have worked harder at this than I have at anything ever in all of my life combined. <laughs> Twenty seven stupid years, but uh, it's 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 more credit should go to the team around, and that's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, Alabama, Michigan State. Uh, Connor Cook is just annoying to me, and in that sense, I can see him somehow making this a close game, and Michigan State always does this, where it's like they have no business being in setting, in position to do whatever it is, and they somehow do it, be it by the blocked punt, the dropped punt, the Hail Mary, they just do it over and over, so ten point or nine and a half point spread for Alabama over under a 47, it's in Arlington, Texas. That's that's a big spread to go against Michigan State. On the other hand, I think this is finally where Connor Cook's luck runs out and he faces a defense good enough to not fall for the stupid shenanigans that the Spartans otherwise rely on. Yeah, I, I, Alabama is way too fundamentally sound to, to make the kind of screw-ups that, that Michigan State is like, you know, kind of been able Dependent to take advantage. Dependent on even. Yeah, they, yeah. They, you know, they needed it to beat Michigan. And Michigan uh, isn't even that good, we found out. Like, yeah, <laughs> coming into that game, I was beating the Michigan drum pretty hard. But, I mean, it's been, a, it's been just like this fluky stretch of years for Michigan State, and I, I just don't think that Alabama is going to fall victim to any of that. Uh, and I, I think... Uh, Spencer Hall from like SB Nation had, had like the best description of Alabama. It's just a glacier going downhill. Like it, it, there's not really anything you can do to stop it. It's just gonna keep going. You can wait for eons and hope it melts, but uh, in the meantime, yeah, yeah, you will enjoy. you will lose and they will cover the spread. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I I think Michigan State it is you know they they've exceeded my expectations this year. Um, actually. I think Alabama wins that game, but I, I don't think they win it by nine and a half. I will I will admit that. Just much. out of spite, I'll take the points too. I'm just I I cannot 
I can't handle it if, if Michigan State gets more lucky wins or whatever. So <laughs> anyway, uh, next one, there, I don't think luck will have much uh, to help Northwestern here. I think they're going to lose and lose by the eight and a half spread at least against Tennessee over under a 45 and a half, which might be like 25 and a half too high. Mm-hmm. Um Clayton Thorson is terrible as a quarterback. Justin Jackson's a really good running back. Northwestern just doesn't have anything. How they, does Jackson only have four touchdowns. Like, well, that's, that's just the thing. It's like it doesn't make sense to me. He might be enough of a hero to get you to the twenty yard line, but at that point, it's like okay, we need like a little something from the passing game. You're not getting it. Like it's right. we can throw it to Dan Vitale in the flats, the super back. We'll get it to that fullback and cross our fingers, man. But uh, <laughs> I don't. Not that Tennessee's defense is good. It's not that good, but. Um, I just Josh Dobbs, I think, is more than capable of stepping up against athletes of Northwestern's caliber. Like they're going to be well coached. They'll play tough early, but I think Tennessee breaks them in the second half. And Jalen Hurd's too much. Alvin Kamara's too much. Mm-hmm. Hey, I agree. I, I think Tennessee wins this one relatively easily. Next, we got Michigan and Florida in one of the <laughs> so over under a 41. Michigan somehow favored by four and a half, which I just don't agree with. I haven't even thought about it yet, but I don't agree. Um, OK, so. What do you think about this one, John? I think Michigan's going to win this one. I think Florida has so many deficiencies on offense. Uh, you know that pretty much their their chances of success are uh, and to, is uh, Callaway beating Jordan Lewis. Uh, but then even so, Treon Harris is going to have to be putting the ball in his hands. Uh, that's definitely far from a safe bet. And then I don't think Calvin Taylor is going to be able to run like well enough to to really win Florida the game against that Michigan uh, defense. I think Michigan, uh, coached by John Harbaugh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, uh, I think he's going to go nuts to the fact that it's in Florida. This is going to do wonders for Michigan's recruiting in Florida. I think Harbaugh really, you know, whether that's true or not, he's going to believe it, and I think he's going to try to make a statement win in Florida and beat them. So um, I guess I guess how you view this game might come down to how convinced you were with Jake Ruddock's last month of the year. Um, he definitely showed improvement. Like he was totally totally good against Penn State on the road, and then at home against Ohio State blowout. But he was he was good in that game. Mm-hmm. At Indiana Rutgers before that. That's where his numbers come from. Other than that, other than those four games, he's been atrocious this year, regardless of opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Florida's defense is too good for the Michigan offense to get anywhere, and the Michigan defense is really good and the florida offense is really bad but i think it's one of those things where florida's got enough just like size speed strength that even if it's not talent per se Mm -hmm. they can wear down the michigan defense and michigan defense did not finish the year particularly well that's true they did get they they, uh they got moved on by indiana a good bit. indiana put up 300 and jordan howard is obviously superhuman not it's not applicable as a general example because jordan howard is involved but 307 (laughs) yards and two touchdowns Rutgers put up some yards on them the week before that. Ohio State put 369 and five touchdowns on the ground. Obviously, they just kind of quit in that one, but still. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not a game I feel strongly about, but wow, four and a half for Michigan. That, that implies that Michigan's going to score like more than 10 points or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, it's two great defenses. That it can come down to whoever's quarterback turns it over, I guess. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take Florida and both, I guess, spread and uh, outright. Fair enough. Uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Ohio over under of 54. Um, okay, Ohio State's favored by seven. The over under is 54. I feel like this is a game Ohio State can put up like 35 on their own, so I'll definitely take the over. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also take Ohio State to cover the spread. 
Um, I just, I just think there's, there's too much legitimate offensive talent on that team and the defense is good enough. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser has been great for Notre Dame and CJ Procy should be available. He's had like six weeks to recover from that high ankle sprain or whatever. Right. Um, but in Will Fuller is obviously great. Josh Adams, the backup running back is going to be a star. I just, I just think JT Barrett with like real time to prepare against a Notre Dame defense that is only decent. I think, um, yeah, I, it's, it's got like a couple individual pieces that are really good, but I think as a collective, and I think, I think last year's finish for Ohio state gives us some reason to expect a little bit of a galvanizing effect now that it's the, the bowl season. So, um, I'll, I'll take the seven points and, uh, certainly Ohio state. Uh, I, I, you know, I agree with everything you've said about Ohio state. I mean, they, they're such like an impressive collection of talent. Um, but my gripe with them all year has just been them being, you know, kind of lazy or just really, I don't know what the problem is, but they don't click. Like they haven't had that Ohio state game Fair where, point. where, you know, it's kind of etched in your memory from last year of Ezekiel Elliott running away from the Alabama defense. Like you, you don't feel like Ohio state has really hit that gear that they're capable of yet. And I think Notre Dame is going to come ready to play. And I think they're actually going to beat Ohio state. Fair enough. Wow. Um, that's, that's, um, that's a more bold pick than I am capable of as a person <laughs> i i gotta go with whatever the experts say um and the experts say stanford by seven over iowa over under a 53 in the in the rose bowl in pasadena um all I, I gotta let you tell me what to think on this one john well all right what i would is playing its best they, they've got to, you know multiple looks that they throw at you with in terms of the running backs um but do we know how, how Ken Zeri's doing? I know he left the uh, Big Ten championship game. Well, regardless of that, actually, that you know, what Wadley, Akram Wadley, and uh, Lashawn Daniels are you know kind of like gasher speed backs going against Stanford's defense, which I think is more of a name brand thing than an actual great defense like pe- like people might think it is. Uh, so I was going to be able to run the ball, but I think Stanford in in the end uh, has a quarterback advantage, and I think it, you know the overall weapons advantage. Uh, so I think Stanford wins this one in a really close one. I would probably take Iowa to uh, cover the spread, though. I think I agree with you. I'm definitely picking Stanford, but seven points is a lot to give them against the Iowa defense. And it's uh, with how how much both teams run the ball. It's like I'm just I'm just not sure that either one's going to run enough plays to create that much of a distance, mm-hmm. uh, whichever one might end up with the lead. Uh, but yeah, I guess I guess we agree there. Uh, let's let's take a brief detour to the crappier end of the chronology games. Uh, Okay. before the the more interesting uh old oklahoma will miss one there but uh yeah. west virginia arizona state there is no one favored it's a 65 and a half over under um weird matchup between teams who don't i don't i don't know what to <laughs> this is just a weird matchup uh arizona state it can give up yardage both through the at the air and on the ground but they'll sack you mm-hmm. um Skyler Howard is a terrible thrower as a as a quarterback. He can run a little bit, and Dana Holgerson figures he's clever. He's found some new ways to to somehow move the ball, even though they have no receivers and a bad quarterback. Um, Wendell Smallwood, obviously, I'm a big fan of his, but I'm also a fan of Demario Richard. Kalen Ballage is is better than Russell Shell if we're we're going one to one position by position. And then I think Arizona State just has more speed, more applicable speed anyway. On, on a receiver with Tim White, DJ Foster, Devin Lucian, and Berkovici, I would definitely take over Skylar Howard. So I'll go Arizona State in that one. Okay, I, I was thinking going West Virginia, basically uh, just based on the fact that I think they're going to 
create some turnovers from uh, from Arizona State. I think Arizona State can be, or Berkovici, namely, can be a little bit careless with the ball sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that West Virginia can actually slow down that that, that Demario Richard led uh, rushing attack a little bit. I mean, not not to the point where they're, they're like stifling him, but to the point where they you know they get uh, Arizona State in some like third and long type situations. Uh, obviously, Skylar Howard is a bit concerning. I think they're going to need to stick stick with a run game to be able to win. Uh, but I think they're going to do that, and I think uh, West Virginia comes out and wins. All right, so let's get the two other crappy games before the t- the, the two interesting ones. Uh, no offense, John, but Georgia is in a crap matchup with Penn State. We are. Over under a 41.5, but you're favored by seven because Christian Hackenberg is their quarterback. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, we both are huge Saquon Barkley fans. Of course. Um, I'm not sh- I-, I think I think Saquon's better than Sony Michelle straight up, but mm-hmm. Michelle has a lot more help around him so um I, i'll pick georgia to win that but i don't think i like the seven point spread that much yeah the the spread is definitely concerning uh and as a as a georgia fan has been paying attention to everything that's been going on uh our new head coach is not going to be coaching us uh we're going to have our receivers coach brian mcclendon uh, co- uh as our interim head coach we're going to have uh, john Lilly calling the plays uh i don't know who our interim d, d- coordinator is but you know basically we're gonna. It's gonna be the players coaching themselves almost uh, coming into this one. So it'll be a little bit weird in that regard. Uh, Penn State. Uh, I think that uh, Hackenberg's gonna be on his back a lot. Like <laughs> pretty much every time he drops back. I think He's that, good at that. Yeah, that Leonard Floyd, uh, Jordan Jenkins combo. I think that you know he's gonna be eating a lot of turf that day. But I, I think that in the end, uh, Georgia wins by like a very close margin, like three four points. Indeed. And uh, other one we got here, Arkansas, Kansas State. Kansas State, admirable, of course, but that defense is just not very good. Alex Collins is good. Brandon Allen is good. Yep. They got a few receivers who we who we know can get make some big plays. So mm-hmm. uh, Kansas State's going to lose. I don't know about 11 points. That's the tougher part, I guess, here. Uh, but I, I'll – whatever. I'll, I'll take the points, too, just because I, I just think there's a big – athleticism disparity between these two teams and it's it's just i don't see any way that it's a useful matchup for kansas state yeah i don't i don't see where k-state has the edge anywhere i think arkansas uh is able to run away with this one i think kansas state's going to try to play a you know possession type game like that like they did against baylor where they just basically sit on the ball for you know eight minutes or however long they could until they had to kick a field goal or have like just throw Joe Hubner's body at the goal right, line. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't see that working so well against Arkansas. I think Arkansas run, runs away with it as well. Okay. Then uh, let's talk Oklahoma state Ole miss. It's a 67 and a half point over under Mississippi favored by seven and a half. That at a glance seems like a lot to me for two teams that I think are basically the same thing. <laughs> um, Oklahoma State, we don't Mason Rudolph, first of all, they're they're kind of starting quarterback. Uh he had a foot surgery, what was it like two weeks ago or something? I think it was it was the Monday after that OU game. Yeah, foot surgery. And like foot surgeries are almost always really bad. He's supposedly out of his boot and like kind of practicing already. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, it's a ske- they were sketchy about that going into the game and then obviously they've been kind of Yeah, uh, I think we might have about it. Yeah, I think we might have some beat writers uh relaying coach quotes rather than verifying things with their own eyes. Um certainly everybody was blindsided by that JW Walsh stunt. So I kind of expect this to be JW Walsh versus Chad Kelly in which case it would be like the exact same team going against each other because um chad kelly doesn't have much running help either it's going to be the quarterbacks responsible for both the run and pass game uh 
Kelly's more raw talent than J.W. Walsh, like in a pro prospect sense. But J.W. Walsh is a very time-tested player. Um, I I think I I definitely don't like Mississippi to cover the spread here. Seven and a half points. I'm not buying that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll take Ole Miss to win just because I think uh, Mississippi's uh, better size and speed at receiver will pay off. Oklahoma State obviously has James Washington as a great deep threat. Um, otherwise, they're mostly middling guys. Like they have a Marcel Adaman, they have a David Glidden, but the Laquan Treadwell, uh, you know, lead receiver role is complemented by Quincy Adeboyejo and Cody Core, tall targets who can outrun. Um, you know, those, the receivers on the Oklahoma state side. Sure. So um, I'll take Mississippi to win, but by like four or five, not seven and a half. Yeah. Th- this one, it, I'm having a really hard time, like gaining, gaining a, a feeling one way or the other on it. Um, yeah. Oklahoma state, I feel like has kind of already peaked and, you know, Ole Miss, they, they've, they've really laid some clunkers this year, but they've also yeah. played extremely well sometimes. And, you know, their best is better than Oklahoma State's best. And if you assume that, you know, they're, they're both going to be playing at their top levels uh, here in the, in the Sugar Bowl, I still think that Ole Miss uh, has the edge there. Uh, and they're going to have a ton of – it's going to feel like a home game there probably too. Um, yeah, it's in New Orleans. Um, I, so I'll take, the, I'll take them and I, I'll, I'll go with the spread as well. I'll take them minus seven and a half. All right, and uh, last game we're going to talk about, the last bowl game, is in the Alamo Dome, the Alamo Bowl, between TCU playing in San Antonio against Oregon. There is no uh, there is no spread. It's a 78.5 over-under. So we don't know what the deal with Josh Doxson is going to be. Um, you would think if they were at all honest with their initial thing about him being questionable to play through the wrist injury and then uh, he ended up needing surgery anyway. Right. Um, surgery changes things, obviously. Um, but if he really was that able to play initially, you would hope that he has a chance to get back with about like a month of recovery time. But if he's out, that changes things. Uh, Listen, B is a good receiver. Turpin's a good receiver. But Josh Doxson is elite. If he's gone, that, that hurts them quite a bit in right. a way that I'm not sure they can recover. Um, with that said, we would take Javon Boykin over Vernon Adams 10 times out of 10. Sure. Um, Aaron Green is a totally good running back Oregon's defense was a little better in the second half of the year but um and I guess I guess if Doxson's out um I just I just I feel like Vernon Adams has shown enough times that like if he's healthy and he has time to practice in the week he can be a lot better than he was for the most part this year like he had the huge game against USC obviously he started hot before he broke his uh, finger on his throwing hand um Royce Freeman is monstrous nothing less um they got two darren carrington returning to the offense obviously added a lot braylon addison's already very good um i feel like oregon is just so much steadier in this and boykin is capable of heroics no doubt um but yeah i mean this is a coin flip game for me but i guess i gotta kind of lean toward oregon just because i I feel more confident in their ability to move the ball uh if they need to whereas with with TCU, it's easy to imagine it being like Boykin or bust, and it's, if he's not getting as much help as usual, I don't know how to how to really gauge that one. Yeah, I think I think that you know, re- with Doxson, my concern is that even if he does play, he's not going to be the Doxson that we've known you know all year. It's just been you know kind of like a one A one B with Corey Coleman in terms of just explosiveness and, right. and all that. Um, so I don't you know. That takes away some of the luster for for TCU's offense, um, and to me, I think that the rest of the country should be happy that Oregon kind of stumbled in the middle of the season because over the last month, they, I've been extremely impressed with the way that Oregon's been playing, especially Vernon Adams. Yeah, uh, you know, just 
most touchdowns ever thrown against USC in a single game. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a guy that's playing, you know, who knows who Eastern Washington plays. And he had like four days of training camp practice. Yeah, so, like, just um, got admitted and then just like walked into Autzen Stadium and mm-hmm. just played. Um, so I, I feel good about Oregon winning this one, actually. I mean, I, I really wish that the fortunes were different for TCU this year. I mean, they, they really got killed with injuries down the stretch, but... Yeah, I, th- I think Oregon is just playing so well right now. They're going to win. All right, that settles it. We'll have on RotoWire uh, published a, our, our beat writer spread pick article engineered by Jason Thornbury, another editor here. Um, so you can find our compiled uh, spread picks in that article. You can keep a lookout for that uh, probably like Friday or th- uh, maybe tomorrow, Thursday. Um, otherwise, I don't know for sure what our podcast schedule might look like through bowl season between the holidays and just the weird scheduling of the games. It might not be logistically possible to do um, anything else beyond this one. And if that is the case, I uh, just want to mention, uh, John, thank you so much for your awesome work this year. Tru- truly indispensable. Uh, we could not have run our college football section without John being an addition this year and saving us in a number of ways. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, I mean, th- thank you for having me on this podcast. It's really been uh, a lot of fun to, to be able to, you know, talk about college football outside of just, you know, writing up notes and all that. So this has been a really uh, great little thing. And, you know, obviously you're doing a great job with, with running the college football section all together. Oh, you're a liar, John. I won't forget that. Uh, I'm just, you know, full of the holiday spirit. All right. Well, you will get your kickback. I know how to reward my toadies. But <laughs> no, uh, seriously, John, thanks a lot. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if we do have another podcast coming up, it'll be like an emergency one, and we'll give you some Twitter notice on that. Oh, by the way, John, what is your Twitter handle? Uh, I'm at Johnny McKex. That's uh, J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-C-K-E-C-H-S. Go follow John on Twitter, you guys. All right, bye. Happy holidays and stuff. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.